Are you tired of the nine to five lifestyle? Do you want more freedom to do what you want, when you want it, without sacrificing your current income? Then this is the show for you. Every week, we dive into John's journey towards financial freedom and everything he has learned since 2014. Real estate investing, cryptocurrency, stocks, private lending, foreign residency, tax saving strategies, infinite banking, assets protection, and much more. Now, here is your host, the founder of the Wealth and Freedom Nexus, John Rickgarn. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. This is John Rickgarn, your host of the Wealth and Freedom Nexus podcast, as always. Now, today we are going to be talking about private mortgages. And my guest that I brought on today is Timothy Hero, who is very familiar with them. Now, you might be asking, what is a private mortgage? And we'll get into detail of that. But essentially, it's another route for getting funding, especially if you're an investor and wanting to get funding for a you know, your next rental property per se, and maybe the tapped out on the traditional Freddie Fannie Mae loans, maybe you are self-employed, maybe there's just some, you know, nuances with your financials that make it a little bit more difficult to go to your Chase's, your Wells Fargo's to get a mortgage. So with that, I welcome to the show, Timothy Hero. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So maybe just first for my uh, listeners, maybe you can just give us a quick background on yourself, you know, what exactly you do and kind of how you got into the lending space, I would ask. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, connect investors to private mortgage lenders in 45 states. Okay. Uh, before this, I was what I call a failed realtor. Uh, I, was a realtor <laughs> I was a realtor for 17 months never sold anything, never, never even leased, never had a listing. I hosted a couple open houses and that was the highlight of my career. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, but I've been around real estate since I was 12 years old. My parents used to, or still do remodel homes for people. Okay. So I was always around the remodel and real estate side. Then after being a realtor for a little while and it not working out, I was going to join the finance side. I've always okay. loved numbers and math and understood it. And I came across this industry by accident. Uh, so since I'm a private mortgage broker, the correct and I guess legal term is loan broker. Okay. Because uh, they're viewed as business loans, not conventional mortgages. Okay. So I was searching loan officer, but coming from a real estate background and always hanging out with the uh, broker of our company, I had broker in my head when I Googled it. And instead of typing loan broker or anything, I came across it by accident looking for a loan officer or startup career. Okay. And then I discovered I can do loans in 45 states. It's private. And I just started networking like a madman. Okay. And now with almost 4,000 investors in my database, I stay very busy. Wow. Um, I got a, my main business is Tampa, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Richmond, Virginia, Houston, Texas. Those, those are my main markets, but I'm in okay. 45 states. Okay. And maybe just uh, quick for any of my listeners, if they're interested and then they get shot down, what are the five states that you can't lend in? <laughs> so it, it depends on the lender. So there's there's some states that require these lenders to have special requirements. Okay. California is one. I only have one lender that I can work with in California. 
Okay. So uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, can't touch those. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I can't touch Alaska. Um, some lenders, I can't touch Minnesota. Some I can. Okay. Um, so it, it varies, but North Dakota, South Dakota, and Alaska, those three states are always the same. None of my lenders can touch. Interesting. Okay. Kind of surprised about the South Dakota. They're kind of known as the, you know, finance capital of the world. I mean, city yeah. and a bunch of others are headquartered there because by law, they don't have to cap interest rates like other yeah. states. So interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to turn down some North and South Dakota deals. Unfortunately, some were portfolios and would have been nice business. Sure. So there's rules okay. to this. So. All right. And uh, yeah, you've kind of highlighted it a little bit, Matt, as far as, you know, how does the private, you know, mortgage or private loan, you know, what are kind of the differences of that? I think most of my listeners are probably familiar with the conventional loan. You go in, you, here's your, here's my tax returns. Here's my pay stubs. Here's my uh, income statement, my blood samples, firstborn children, DNA sequence, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And hopefully I get a loan. Um, obviously a lot more hoops to jump through, mainly due to the Dodd-Frank Act instituted back in 2008 or 2009, I think it was. In contrast, how is private mortgage worker, should I say the business loan work? So on the private side, so we got conventional who gets their money from the government. So they okay. got to abide by the government's rules and policies. And that's why there's 3000 rules and requirements. Only 3000. Whereas, <laughs> whereas the private mortgage side gets their money from capital partners, hedge okay. funds, wealthy investors. So it's a much lesser field of requirements, docs, okay. rules. And because they're getting their money from these agencies versus the government, they don't have to report these loans on their credit. So okay. they're 30 year fixed mortgages that don't show on your credit. They don't look at DTI and income because they're business loans for investors. Um, okay. These aren't, these aren't, you know, personal home loans. We can't touch those. Uh, okay. They're only for rental properties, no income check. It's solely based on the cash flow of the property and the credit score. And okay. it's, it's a newer industry and there's a lot of high net worth individuals who are still just learning about it. So okay. Interesting. those are the main aspects. Okay. And for the credit score piece, I'm assuming there's still like a minimum credit score that's required or are they a little more flexible? Yeah. So when the pandemic first started letting up and let everybody go back to work and rates were, you know, somewhat decent, Mm -hmm. um, everybody had a minimum of 680. Okay. Then it went to 660 and then 650 and now it's 620. Okay. 620 to 650 though, you're not going to get max LTV right now in today's market. Okay. Like me capped at like 65, 70% LTV. Okay. Um, but it's the option for people with a low credit score who can't go to the bank to get a 30 year uh, mortgage, not on their credit, easy docs, close in three to four weeks. I mean, it's, it's still a great product, even for those who don't have the highest score. Sure. But assuming you got no uh, foreclosures in the past three years, no bankruptcies, you haven't been arrested for any fraudulent activity. Okay. Uh, most of these lenders, they don't care if you have a criminal record with a long list of felonies, as long as it's not financially related with like fraud. Oh, interesting. Okay. So for yeah. any see, meth dealers or right, right. <laughs> grand theft auto people, they, you have a funding source. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. So you had mentioned the five states that you can't lend on mm-hmm. or the geographical areas, I should say, or have very limited access Beyond that, is there like a minimum loan amount, a maximum loan amount, minimum number of properties, maximum? Yes. What are the other guidelines there? 
So, so it depends which, which lenders I quote the investor with, cause I'm partnered with a long list of them to okay. offer multiple different products. Okay. But for the most part, they don't want to go under a hundred thousand dollar property minimum okay. for the value. However, if you're doing a portfolio, I can go all the way down to $50,000 a door. Okay. Um, gotcha. So that, that opens a lot of people go the portfolio route. Okay. In terms of minimum actual loan amount, they don't want to go below 75,000. Gotcha. Uh, so that's, that's typically the minimum. A lot have been upshifting towards a hundred thousand just because by the time they pay their underwriters and everything, they're not making much on a $75,000 deal. Right. Okay. Well, on the way no the maximum. property market's going up and the Fed's printing money, you know, right. give it a year or two, there might not be a single home in the market that's uh, $75,000 or less. Okay. Correct. And as we've seen property values skyrocket in the past three years, you know, in 2019, a lot of these lenders had a, a minimum property value of 75000 Okay. And then it went to a hundred and now a lot are at 125. Oh, okay. So as the market shifts, their minimums raise as well. Okay. Interesting. And just for my listeners out there, according to this, uh, the end of December will be published here in February of 2022. So obviously, uh, once it gets published, it's out on the internet forever. So depending on when you're listening to this, the guidelines that we're discussing you know, may have changed, probably will have changed. Obviously, they're always changing too. So yeah. just keep that in mind. <laughs> as far as, market. yeah. <laughs> but now you had mentioned the portfolio loans and I'm a little mm-hmm. familiar with that. And I know I've reached out to you because I'm looking at doing a portfolio loan refinance in uh, probably spring or summer of 2022. For those not familiar, can you explain you know, what exactly a portfolio loan is and how that works? Yeah, so a portfolio loan is a gold mine because, okay. and it's something that I'd say in the past six months, 80% of my deals have been portfolios. Okay. Um, it's a way to get, for example, if we're doing a refi cash out portfolio loan, okay. it's a way to cash out the equity of all your properties or the mix that you want to use anyways at once. Okay. And you only have one payment every month. You only have one closing. Every lender in the business gives better rates on portfolios. Okay. They also reduce the fees. Um, you know, most lenders have a underwriting fee of let's say $1,300, but yep. if you're doing a portfolio, it's not 1300 per property. It's like 1300 for the first one. And then maybe 500 for every property after that. So there's a huge discount okay. there. Gotcha. You have one monthly payment. It, it's much easier. One closing everything. And what a lot of people are scared of portfolios is they think if they sell one of the 10 properties three years from now, that they got to sell all of them. That's okay. not the case. You can just sell that one. Okay. The proceeds from the sale cover the loan amount that that property was involved with for the portfolio and the other nine stay in the loan. Okay. You don't have to sell the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. People think they're committed with the whole thing and it's not the case. Okay. Good to know. Okay. Now, and you had mentioned the properties there and you know, I'm just going to use a round number of 10. Like say I come up, you know, I've built up my portfolio. I have 10 properties that they're, uh, I don't know, each one's $500 a month and I want to do a cash out refinance. So you're t- discussing or talking about essentially refinancing 10 loans into one right. instead of 10 $500 payments. I have one $5,000 payment or whatever right. it comes to. Are there any other restrictions? Like, can I, like right now, my portfolio is in Minnesota, Iowa, Arizona, Alabama, and Tennessee. It, yes. Can you do a portfolio across? other geography areas or do they yeah. have to be in one area? 
No, most of my lenders can do portfolios in multiple different states. Okay. Um, the only issue we'll run into that is you'll have to find a title company that is licensed in those states. Gotcha. Because you can only have one title company per closing. Okay. Um, worst case scenario, you just split the portfolios up into their own states or neighboring states where you find a title company that does both. Like, there's a lot of title companies that will do neighboring states like Georgia and Florida. I can okay. do those portfolios because those are easy title companies to find. North okay. Carolina and South Carolina, they have a lot of that as well. Okay. Um, but if you can find a title company that's big enough and licensed in all those states, we can do 10 states in one loan. Okay. It might be a little rough finding the title agency for that. Sure. So, okay. So, you know, maybe some of my listeners are, you know, hearing this for the first time and maybe, you know, I work some investors, they have a number of port- or, uh, properties in their portfolio and say one of them is interested, like, gosh, I think this would be a good idea versus going to my local lender or traditional bank. What exactly is the process of how that works for, you know, reaching out to you and say, hi, Timothy, I got 10 properties. I want to do a portfolio loan. How does that process work? So usually the process is they would go to my site. It's just my name, timothyhero.com. Okay. And if they, if they want to do a single asset quote, there's a quote uh, request form to fill out. It's very simple. You'll notice it's 10 times easier than a bank. And that gives me all the info I need to run it with my list of lenders. Okay. Then there's a portfolio quote where you just input your properties. But if you got a decent number of properties and don't want to have to input it and have it already on a spreadsheet, okay. you can just email me the spreadsheet. Okay. That, that'll work just fine. I take it to my list of lenders. I see who has the best options. And then I send the investor the list of options what okay. they're offering terms and qualifications, how the process is, how long this lender takes to close, how long this lender takes to close. And then we take it from there. Okay. My, my job is not only to connect investors with the best financial decision in terms of rate and terms, but also who works best for their decision. Okay. I have people come to me who are like, I'm in a hard money loan. It expires in 28 days. I need to close quick. Okay. I have a lot of my list of lenders. There's two that can make that happen. Gotcha. So, so they might not have finding... the lowest rate, but they can do it yeah. in that time frame. Okay. And one thing I just kind of popped in my mind. So, you know, many investors like myself, you know, we've purchased properties in our own name and then we had the mortgage still in our name. And then mm-hmm. we quit claim deed the property over to an LLC. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like myself and many others, we have you know, multiple properties, uh, maybe multiple LLCs involved. Are your lenders able to do like a cross lending to different LLCs if they're in different titles per se? Yeah. Yeah. We, my lenders lend to trust, escorts, LLCs, individuals. Okay. When it comes to trust, only a few of my lenders lend to those, but it's still an option that we do. Escorts, okay. they all do. LLCs, they all do. Okay. Individuals. So yeah, it's, it's an open thing. Wow. Okay. I'm actually learning a few things on this as myself here. So then, you know, say you, you know, help an investor, they have this portfolio loan, maybe they've whatever, taken out $50,000 of equity. They've maybe lowered their monthly payments and have just one monthly payment to go through. Once the ink is dried, does the investor have to mail a check? Can they, the payments be drafted from a bank account, just like a regular bank loan? Or? Yeah. Yeah. The moment closing happens, whatever lender we go with has their own servicing team. And okay. the servicers reach out to you. Um, they'll send you mail. They might also call you to let you know they sent the mail. And they set up the uh, auto drafts every month. Okay. ACH. And then depending on the company that they work with, 
I'm guessing maybe they have like a web portal or I don't know, do some of them have yeah. apps at yeah. all? Like some other banks? Yeah, they, often, they often have a system that you can log in and see okay. or call in and find out, you know, remaining loan balance. And sure. it has to be very investor friendly for it to work, of course. So sure. knowing your numbers at all times is a huge thing. Right. Sounds good. So now I'm just kind of thinking this in my head and, you know, I've been a real estate investor myself for five and a half years and I've done some business loans as well. The first one I did, if memory serves me right, I think it was a 25 year amortization and a balloon. I believe it was at five years. We had refinanced before that, of course. The rates were slightly higher than the conventional loan. But now with your lenders, you're able to offer full 30-year amortizations, no balloon payments, correct? Yeah. Yeah. 90% of my lenders are actually probably 95% are 30-year fixed, no balloon. And in terms of the rate being higher than conventional, at least in today's market, as we discussed this in December of 2021, rates are not much higher than conventional right now. Right. Because- you know, conventional got hit with that 7% rule where mm-hmm. they, they can't have more than 7% of their money tied up in investment properties. So because of this, the rates and origination are higher. I had people come to me nine months ago before this rule where they were like, I'm going to go conventional. I got quoted three and a half percent where we were, let's say four and a half percent. So it makes sense for them to go that route if they don't mind it on their credit and giving up their firstborn child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whereas today, somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, the bank offered me 4.4 and a quarter, 4.25, and we're at 4.4. So it's like only a 15 basis Very points different. Yeah. So why would you not pay the extra 15 basis points, have mm-hmm. it off your credit, quicker close, everything's simpler, it doesn't affect your DTI, and it only costs you an extra $30 a month or however big the loan is. Yep. And many times that $30 extra a month you can easily have with you know, covered by your next rental increase or, yeah. you know, another rent- renter moving in. So they so got the 30 year fixed, you know, slightly higher interest rates. Uh-huh. I would say a lot less headaches. I could go on for hours with the headaches I've dealt with underwriters and uh, traditional banks in my career, but I'll say that for another time. Maybe just last, just kind of a, you know, personal question to you since you've been, you know, in the industry, you know, maybe my listeners know, but essentially we have government sponsored entities for the conventional mortgages, Freddie May or Freddie and Fannie, that essentially are backed by the government. And then they can, the banks can sell off their loans to those entities and then have their money back to lend out again. With the, I guess you want to say, growth of the private lending sphere. In your opinion, do you think we still need Freddie and Fannie or is that kind of a bygone I... entity? <laughs> I'll say this, the bank loans are becoming more irrelevant in the investing world. Um, Here's an example. Last year and this year, the non-QM private space was 5% of the entire market of mortgages. Okay. Uh, The mortgage industry is a $3.8 trillion a year industry. It's anticipated to grow to 10% next year. Wow. And it's about to double. Yeah. It's anticipating a double growth and keep in mind 90% of the industry wasn't formed until 2014. So it's not even 10 years old yet. And it's about to be worth 10% of a $3.8 trillion market. Wow. (laughs) So I definitely think three, maybe five years from now, less than 10% of investors will even be going to the conventional side. Like they want to be getting quotes from them. As of right now, it's still a industry that 
is still kind of under the rug. It's not even 10 years old. Mm -hmm. um, you have a lot of scammers online. So I think because of those scammers, people don't even pay attention to the word private mortgage. Sure. Uh, but there's actual legitimate private mortgage companies that are worth five, six, seven hundred million dollars. But these scammers kind of offset the private mortgage term. Sure. So people just don't pay attention to it. But you know, I, I just did a, a four million dollar quote yesterday, and this guy's been investing for decades. He has a almost thirty million dollar portfolio. Wow. And he doesn't even know much about this space. Here's okay. a guy who's very affluent in the world of real estate and it's new to him. So I definitely think three to five years from now, unless conventional changes their policies and, and everything, they'll be relevant for investing. Okay. So, and yeah, maybe I should put that little tidbit on there too. The, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a wanting to become a first time home buyer, wanting to upgrade your primary home and are just have your primary home or maybe want to refinance it. Obviously the private lending is not the route right. for that. That'd be the, you know, your Wells Fargo, your Chase, your US Bank, et cetera. But yeah, definitely on the investor side where again at the time of this writing, you are still capped at 10 loans through Freddie and Fannie. That's how many loans you can have in your name. So if you have your personal property and nine investment properties after that, the Freddie Fannie Mae loan say, nope, sorry, you're capped out. Where then with a non-QM, then you can essentially go to number 11, 12, 13, 27, et cetera. So yeah, and there's no limit to it since they're not reported on credit. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. I got people with 28 loans through us and not a single one is visible on their credit. Wow. I mean, the, credit <laughs> the credit report shows that it was pulled by a private lender but the loan never went through. So if anybody pulls your credit, if anything, it's going to look like you backed out of a loan. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know, I, you know, not to say that a credit score and credit report isn't important and, you know, I'm not advising anyone to tank their credit scores, of course, but <laughs> it's a very limited view because if someone looks at a credit report, like, oh my gosh, they have all these mortgages, they have all this debt, you know, this must be horrible. Well, maybe, but are they on investment properties? How are they cash yeah. flowing? What's their income? What are their assets? I mean, those are other components that a credit score and a credit report don't take into account. It basically just shows this is how much debt John or Timothy have, and this is how much their monthly payments are, and this is how long they've had those loans in place. And that's pretty much where the credit report stops at that point. Yeah. No matter how well they cash flow, it's still going to be viewed with negativity that it's still debt on your credit. Exactly. All right. Well, this has been very interesting. And I've myself have learned quite a few things. I've researched the private mortgage space for about the last two years. Anything else you want to share with my listeners, Timothy, or maybe in as we're going into 2022 and new services or offerings or anything new in the industry that you're excited to share or know about? I think it's very important that the listeners understand that these loans, we, we've covered that they're only for investment rental properties, mm -hmm. but they understand that it's for turnkey properties. Okay. Um, this isn't like a rehab thing. You can go the rehab route, but those are viewed as hard money. Those are interest only 12 year things. This is 30 year fixed property needs to be in a turnkey condition. If a tenant's not living in it now, that's fine. Okay. As long as they can move in tomorrow and there not be major repairs needed. If you want to update the 1970s kitchen and the shag carpet and all that, that's fine. But if there's plumbing issues, electrical, the roof's caving in, windows are broke. If it's not habitable, 
Gotcha. And won't be able to lend on it. So I think the kind of like, oh, the acronym, the BRRRR, buy, re, buy, rehab, refinance, rent, repeat. So if you're yeah. buying the worst, dilapidated, condemned home on the block that you want to fix up and then make habitable, this yeah. would not be the uh, program for that. Yeah. Now, when you're done with the rehab, we're definitely there on the refinance side. Uh, okay. My lenders only have three months seasoning, so you don't got to own it for six months or 12 months like some banks require. Okay. Uh, we're just three months. And I can I actually got lenders that'll start the process at two months because it typically takes three to four weeks to close a single asset loan. So by the time we close, you've crossed that three-month threshold. So we can close. So we can start the process at two months of ownership. All right. Well, this has been very interesting. If any of my listeners want to reach out to you, Timothy, and maybe start the process, what's the easiest way to reach out to you? So you can go to my website at timothyhero.com or you can okay. email me directly at th at timothyhero.com. Okay. Pretty easy to remember. But again, I'll have those on the show notes in case you're listening to this while working out or walking the dog or whatever you may yeah. be doing at the moment. So, all right. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on, Timothy. This has been very educational for me and I hope to my listeners as well. Wish you the best of luck. I know you're gearing to have another banner year in 2022 with, I think you said 50 million in closing or $50 yeah, million dollars in we're, closing. We're, we're going for 50 mil next year. We're going into January. We already got just under 10 million in the pipeline right now. Um, wow. Assuming no hiccups arise based on what's set to close, I'm looking to close about 7 million the first two weeks of the year. Wow. Um, I was hoping to close it this month, but Christmas delayed. Thank Thank you for listening. Sure. Be sure to share, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more updates, check out www.wealthandfreedomnexus.com. Remember, nothing on this show should be considered tax, legal, investment, or professional advice. This show is produced solely for educational and informational purposes. Well, thanks again. Please consult an appropriate and licensed tax, legal, real estate, or business professional for specific advice for your situation. For distribution or publication rights or media interviews, please contact the host. Timothy, TimothyHero.com. With that, Timothy, thanks again for coming on today, and I'll probably have you on the show at a later time. All right. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you.